Well, for more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis. We're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution, an economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm Ed Class with my friend and co-host, Ron Baker, and on today's show, we are talking about how we are all consultants now. Ron, do you know we're all consultants now? Yeah, I've heard you say that, Ed, so I'm really curious to uh, pick your brain on that philosophy. I think it's very interesting. Yes. Well, it's you know, this is a riff on, I guess, some headlines that started, I don't know, 10 years ago. We're all Keynesians now, and then there was we're all socialists now. And, of course, even Reason <laughs> Magazine ran, we're all libertarians now, which right, from, right. from their pages to God's ears. But anyway. Yeah, the Keynesianism goes back to Nixon. He oh, does it go it. that far? Yeah, we're all Nixon, we're all Keynesians now. Yeah, Nixon said that sometime in the early seventies or something, right before wage and price controls were. You know, he did that. Yeah, and that was very successful. <laughs> very, very. Anyway, no, the riff on it and why we're all consultants now is I I truly believe that in a way we all behave as consultants in certain situations, whether we're assisting a friend pick out a new golf club or a new pair of shoes or our teenage sons and daughters going through life or just a friend in need. You know, we, we, there's, there's certain consulting skills that I think we all need to, to pick up on. And, and let me just start off, I guess, by defining when I say consultant, what do I mean? Because yeah, you know, I was going to ask there, you that. It, yeah. it does mean different things to different people, doesn't it? It sure does. I mean, you know, and there's 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 the traditional jokes about consultants too. You know, what is a consultant? Someone who says, "Give me, you know, what time is it? Give me your watch, and I'll tell you." You know, sure. that kind of kind of stuff. But but I believe consulting to be a, a a good and and noble and moral profession that, unfortunately, I guess just like other professions, is is sometime waylaid by folks who who are not ethical <laughs> and uh, don't practice it all that well. So so let's start here. This is my definition and, and it is a slight paraphrase and change to one of my mentor's definitions, Peter Block. And we're going to talk a lot about Peter Block today because it's it's really his book, Flawless Consultant, that's that Flawless Consulting, I'm sorry, that started me down this path of of really understanding what it meant to be a a consultant and a professional consultant. So his 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 definition again, or my definition on his riff is a a person in a position to have some influence over an individual group or organization, but who has no direct authority to make changes right. in the organization, right, or implement those changes. 
Right. So you have influence, but no power or authority to actually make correct. The changes. Yeah. Correct. Correct. So you, you, there, there's always this arms distance, and we'll talk later today in the show about something that's one of the few things that, that I didn't steal from Peter Block is the the Ford framework for consulting levels, uh, and the last level is decision. And we'll talk about how why, why we separate out that idea of the decision being always in in the court of the customer. Uh, in a consulting relationship, and I and I do want to, uh, as Peter Block does, uh, compare and contrast the idea of a consultant with what he terms a, a surrogate manager. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the term surrogate manager, but it, it probably is fairly accurate in its description. And he says that a surrogate manager is someone who is in a position who acts on behalf of or in place of a manager. In other words, this is somebody who does make decisions for the organization. Right. And consultants aren't supposed to do that for the most part, right? I mean, these mm-hmm. things are mutually exclusive, a consultant and a surrogate manager. Yep. They're, they're, they are they are uh, definitely contradictory. And, and in fact, when I teach my consulting class, just be, just before I talk about this def- definition, I talk about the, the laws of thought, right? The idea that A is A and non-contradiction. And I, and I point out the fact that this is a contradiction. So you, c- you can either be a consultant, so someone who has some influence over an individual group or organization, but no direct authority to make decisions, or you can be a surrogate manager where you are expected to make decisions, but though they are mutually exclusive. You can't be both. Now, the challenge, of course, is, is that oftentimes in our, uh, in our relationships with, with customers, we might start out as a consultant, but then at a certain point in the relationship, uh, we might make the transition over to surrogate manager. Now, some would say that this is even, you know, in creeping the the concept of a trusted advisor. But we won't go down that. That's another show someday. We'll right, do a show right. on the trusted advisor. But <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> right. But uh, but this this idea that that we can be we we become those. And I my big uh, problem, and I learned this this from you, is that well, if if you're in this position of surrogate manager where you are making decisions on behalf of the customer's organization. Man, you're in a much more risk risk prone position, right. and you had better you had better adjust your price <laughs> big time. <laughs> and I think that's the challenge because for many organizations, I think you can you can make a a a decision, a strategic decision, and this is truly a strategic level decision in the organization to decide we either are or are not going to take on certain types of engagements like me personally Ron and I think you know this from working with me I I would never want to be in that surrogate manager position right right you know um, not because I don't because it's not honorable and and it's not moral but because I don't feel comfortable in it I feel much more comfortable in the consulting role so me as a consultant I've, I've made a conscious decision that if if this potentially calls this engagement calls for a surrogate manager type role they're, they, they got the wrong guy. Right. No, that makes complete sense to me. So what about you, Ron? Have you – because you do a little bit. You kind of – most mostly do public speaking, but you clearly dabble in the consulting arena from, from now and again. What, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, yeah, you know, ever since we did the show on Block's uh, book, uh, The Answer to How is Yes, I think that was back in November 7th, which I, I just thoroughly enjoyed. We, we talked a lot, a little, or a little bit, I should say, about this book, Flawless Consulting. Mm-hmm. And I know you've read, and there's like, what, three or four versions of this now. <laughs> yes, all proudly on my shelf behind me, all three editions. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things I find very interesting about uh, Peter Block and his whole framework here uh, is do you agree with his premise that your goal or end product in any consulting activity is some kind of change? I do. I so do. It's, yeah. it's transformation. It's absolutely, and this goes, you know, now brings in the uh, Joe Joseph Pine, Pine stuff. Yep. It, sure. it is about transformation. And sometimes it's even transformation about stuff that you weren't even hired for. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'm 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 dying to ask you about is the presenting problem, and and you you know, uh, and and yeah, you probably will find things that the customer didn't even know about or didn't expect, and and that could be part of that too. So, but no, I I think you're right. I would never want to be in a surrogate manager role. Otherwise, you might as well just be an employee of the company. Isn't that the beauty of consultants and and a big part of the value they add is that kind of objective. I don't want to say disinterested, but, you know, dispassionate, kind of like a judge. Correct. You know, that can just look at something and, you know, kind of tell it like it is. That's kind of what you want. It's it's hard to be a prophet in your own land. And that's I think exactly that's a, correct. Yeah. yeah and, okay. And, 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 there, and it's not even – and you're right. I struggle with that word because I've used all of the words that you just used on this. You know, it's not disinterested. You are clearly interested. Absolutely. Um, and, it, and, and, you know, I, I kind of – talk about it like arm's length and it's mm-hmm. not even it's not even dispassionate because i think there is room for for passion and now this goes back to a, a really old show of ours the the conversation we have with howard hansen and steve jeske on the difference between compa- compassion and empathy mm-hmm. right and i think that great consultants one of the, the the behaviors of a great consultant is their ability to be compassionate not empathetic and of course, this is this is uh, highly highly controversial because right now the, the the fun word that everybody likes to talk about is empathy, right? That you need to be empathetic with with the folks that you're working with. But um, as as Steve pointed out, em- empathy is a relatively new word in the jargon of psychology, mm-hmm. and it and it means uh, really in in suffering, right? Uh, so the pa- the idea of, of uh, pathos, right? So mm-hmm. in in suffering. And when, when you're truly empathetic, in fact, there's a, a character in, in, I think, one of the Star Treks that is an empath, and she actually experiences the emotions of the, the people that are, you know, sometimes being destroyed by, you know, the phaser or whatever it is, right? right. <laughs> so she actually, she feels the pain, like the, it's the Clinton stuff. She feels their pain. Right. Right. And the, the, the problem is, is that that's not always the best position to be in when you're trying to be a consultant because you, you we don't need two people in pain right it'd be right? like your doctor sitting there suffering with you exactly exactly and 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 you know we, we say we even we say that we want our doctors to be empathetic no we want our doctors to be compassionate compassionate is a very old word right and it means um uh of the, the to to comprehend the suffering right to understand the suffering of the other person. So there's a there's a real I think a real key difference in those words, and that one, you know one of the things right out of the gate here is that I think a consultant is one someone who behaves with compassion but not empathy. 
Right. <laughs> you know, and it reminds me of a, a Dr. House saying from the TV show. He said, would you rather have your doctor hold your hand while you die or ignore you when, while you get better? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you would expect House to frame it that way, but that... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and and back to your original question. So how is it that we're all consultants now? Well, you know, I, I think that, you know, lawyers are consultants on the law and the legal system almost more than anything else. Sure. Uh, doctors are consultants on medicine and, and, and the medical and, and the medical profession. They're certainly not on the medical system, right? Because they don't even understand how that works. Right. Uh, but but and accountants, of course, on on our consultants on the idea of of uh, you know proper proper accounting for what's what's gone on and you know making sure that your taxes are, are paid. So in a way that we're all consultants now. But let me give you an, another example, and it's it's one that I think is in alignment with this idea of compassion versus empathy. And I, we've we've talked on this show before about uh, uh, Sullenberger, right? Captain Chesley Sullenberger, right. the guy who landed the plane in the Hudson, right? And how. Oh, he is a great example of somebody who is acting as a consultant on how to fly a plane, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and that's that. That's his job, right? Um, because even in a sense, uh, the the co-pilot does most of the work on on most flights now, right? Except when something goes really wrong, right? And right. and uh, and and Sullenberger's great line that to Katie Couric when he was being interviewed by her at one point, he the Katie Couric a- asked him, uh, "Did you pray?" <laughs> he said he said no ma'am <laughs> and she kind of looks at him quizzically and he says there was 150 people behind me taking care of that <laughs> <laughs> right his job was to was to in in this case crash land the aircraft right right and and i and i think that that, that it's a, just a great illustration of that difference between compassion versus empathy if he had been empathetic to the passengers well, they would have ended up, you know, slamming into Hasbrook Heights or something. Right, right. This is well, this is a point that Peter Drucker always makes. That in a crisis, you you need that decisive leadership. That that is where hierarchy comes into play, and that's maybe one one of the reasons why the military, you know, takes the view they do of of leadership. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So when we come back, we're up against our first break already, Ron. This is flying wow. by, especially for me. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm rolling, rolling the, today. Uh, but we, we want you to hear from our first sponsor. But before that, we want to let you know that we do have the book out, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy, available on Amazon. And that is the Kindle edition. Ron and I are working on a, a paperback edition. So if you really would prefer the physical book, that will be out, out in a couple of weeks. But uh, you can always get a hold of us at the soul of enterprise. Uh, I'm sorry, at verisage.com slash tsoe, and get us during the show at hashtag ask tsoe. But first, we're going to hear from our folks at Leading Results and Dan Krause. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. 
we build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about We're All Consultants Now, a topic I've been dying to talk to Ed about because, Ed, I know you teach a four-day course on this, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of the few courses of yours that I haven't sat through. So I've always been interested in your, in your approach to this topic, but I've, I've heard you speak about it in chunks and pieces here and there. And it's just really neat to be able to put it all together in, in your framework. But, you know, your point about we're all consultants now and how you view the, the, the lawyer as a consultant and the doctor. And, and dare I say it, I mean, even my dad, a barber, right? He's a consultant on, you know, looking good. Without and question, yeah. W- what I love about that framework is it kind of puts you at the top of, of Joseph Pine and Gilmore's a progression of economic value, right? Because then if you think of yourself that way, then you are providing a transformation. Like you said, the end goal of any, you know, consulting is is a change or a transformation. And I think that's a really good positioning uh, and just a whole, you know, vocabulary to use to position you and help you communicate value. We're helping you transform from the status quo to where you want to be. Yes, I, I could not agree more because, it, it, again, I, I do see it as a, a moral and noble profession. And as I mentioned, you know, the, you you are acting as a consultant in some cases if you're helping a friend pick out a golf club, right? You you, yep. you are you can you you're in a position to have some influence over an individual in this case, but no direct, direct authority to pull out his wallet and pay for it, <laughs> right? <laughs> Unless you're going to buy it as a present, different story. <laughs> and sometimes right? that's the last thing you want on the golf course is your 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 other three buddies, you know. Give, you know, playing pro with you and taking you aside, and giving you lessons. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, bud. I've seen you duff so. <laughs> oh but, goodness! But Ed, one of the things that you talk about out of the gate are the consulting assumptions that uh, a consultant with that frame framework should should have. What are these assumptions you should yeah, go I- into a project or engagement with? And these are just great. This is again just the genius of of Peter Block, and I'm 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 vamping a little bit here. As I said, I, I've taken most of his stuff and tweaked a word here or there just 
to 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 make it more something that I'm comfortable with. But d- certainly want to give him full credit for this. But and this is one of the things that he says. Look, it's it's important that we have to be <clears throat> completely clear about our own basic beliefs uh, before we're going into any uh, relationship uh, that w- with someone else where we're, we're going to be providing them with consulting. Uh, I've heard this phrased a, a number of different ways, uh, one, of, one of which is I'm going to tell you what my biases are, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's one way of approaching it. I think that's a fantastic way of approaching it. You don't have to say these are the consulting assumptions and we need to go through them. You can say, look, these are what my biases are. This is, this is the, 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 the way that I'm looking through this. Um, uh, what is it? The, the, uh, uh, the German word, Weltenschauer or whatever? Yeah, yeah, Weltenschang or something. Yeah. 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 yeah, so we're you know the, the, this is the this is the filter through which uh, I'm viewing things, and th- there are three consulting assumptions that are true. I think in all engagements, right? Everything from helping a friend pick out a new pair of shoes to a new ERP system to pricing consulting, right? And the first one is this: is that problem solving requires valid data, right? The idea that um, I'm here to help you so- solve a problem. Uh, is kind of that's the uh, initial foray, but if if I'm here to help you do that, I need valid data about the problem. And and let me just define data here. It's in a in a very broad context. It's not just the the data that sits on a hard drive or in someone's spreadsheet somewhere, right? This is data about the situation. This is people's uh, feelings about. How things are going to progress. So th- th- this is very th- now. These are like soft data, right? But they are nonetheless data. They're they are facts, right? And when they ha- and they have to be expressed. If we're if we're gonna if we're gonna make progress on this, we have to make sure that we deal equally with both the hard data that's out there, the numerical stuff, but the soft data as well. And man, this this really strikes a chord with me. In fact, this is right at the core of the soul of enterprise, right, Ron? This idea that that there is that that there's a soul to this idea of business and that um, what consulting is is getting in a lot of cases to that soul, that, that that spiritual, although not necessarily religious, nature of who we are as as human beings. So, so problem solving requires valid data. We have to have valid data about the problem. The second assumption is that effective decision making requires free choice. That and that this is something that you should always tell the person with whom you're working. Hey, listen, you are going to have the ability to make choices and decisions all through this engagement. And I'm never going to force, as a consultant, I'm never going to force a, a, a particular decision on you. Now, what my, I feel my job is, is to educate you about your choices. You may not like your choices, right? right, that's, right. That's, a, that's a separate thing. You may not like them, but I'm never going to force one particular choice on you. Absolutely. So that's where you draw the line. With the, uh, if you if you did, then you'd be a surrogate manager. Then you'd be a surrogate manager, right? So um, so that's the second consulting assumption, and we'll, we'll get to the third in a second. But I think now is a good time for us to to introduce this idea of the Ford framework. And again, this is something that came to it, it, it came to me uh, not in a dream, but it came to me during a class. I was teaching this this consulting class that you mentioned, Ron, and uh, with a, with a, it, this was an internal class to a group of 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 people that work together on a regular basis. So what I find about those classes is that there's always a really good uh, free exchange of ideas around some of these topics. Uh, and what, what 
came out of this. I was just sketching up on a on a, a you know piece of flip chart paper these different levels of consulting, and we we identified this with the acronym of Ford, and it just happened to spell that right. There was no design behind it at all. <laughs> um, I personally own two Hondas, so I'm <laughs> it does nothing about the car. I'm not trying to push, but it was F O R D. And th- this is what they, the, 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 uh, the, the, the letters stand for. The first is findings, right? I can show you here's what I found. If you just want an engagement where, you, where I come in and show you here's what I found, I'm going to ask a boatload of questions and present it back to you and say here's what I found. This is the, the, the classic in a sense. Give me your watch and I'll tell you. Uh, f- form of consulting, right? So it's just sure. just to ask the questions and repeat it back. And sometimes there's there's a need for that, as you said. A prophet is not believed in his own land. So sometimes it's good just to get an outside perspective on it. The O in Ford stands for options. Now we would call these choices today, but uh, w- when this presented itself, it was called options. So we said, look, here's the findings, and here are some options for you. Um, and there's not necessarily a one-to-one relationship in this stuff, right? So for every finding, there's not one option. It might be, right. you know, here's a big wanking list of findings, and then here are two or three options that we have thought about as as possible ways that you could go about uh, looking at, at at addressing this problem. And notice I, I try to even avoid the word solve, right? Because there's no such thing as solve. There's only trade-off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right? thank you, Thomas Sowell. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So th- this I- this idea of what are your what are your options? What are your options to do here? The R stands for recommendation, and that's the next level. Where would you like me as a professional consultant to give you what my recommendation would be of the options that we've have evolved? Uh, you know, and this is where it might also include the pros and cons, pluses and minuses, whatever SWOT analysis, whatever you want, whatever framework you want to substitute in there for for making a making a rational choice between uh, the the different choices. And why you would make a particular recommendation. So, you know, of the three options we've developed here, if I were you, I'd pick B. You know, this is the classic question that you ask your that your your doctor all the time, right? Which is, doc, if you if, if you were me, what would you do? What would you do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So this is you know this is clearly that recommendation piece, and then the D of course stands for decision. Right, and so this is this is now no longer the domain of the consultant, but the surrogate manager. So F O and R findings, options, recommendation are the domain of the consultant. The D is the the domain of either the customer or, if you become a surrogate manager, the surrogate manager. So the person who's going to then be making the decision. Um, but 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 back to the assumption. So again, in the consulting relationship. If you, as a, con- a customer, are going to make effective decisions, I recognize that you require free choice and that I can't impose a particular decision on you. Right. You're just recommending. That's correct. That's correct. And then the third of the, 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 the consulting assumptions is, is this, is that effective implementation requires customer commitment, that if they do, in fact, want to implement any decision that is made – the the customer as a group, so in 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 total as a as an organization, they need to be fully committed to to that implementation. And I usually here draw a distinction between support and commitment, mm-hmm. and 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 try to get it to people to understand because oftentimes you will get support. <laughs> There's lots of support, and I think of air, support as like air support. You know, they're flying over you at ten thousand feet, dropping bombs. The air, they're very supportive, and don't get me wrong, we need that, right? 
but they're not in the trenches with you, right? Committed is committed is in the trenches, and the the phrase that I usually use to describe this is the, is the difference between support and commitment is like bacon and eggs for breakfast, right? The, <laughs> yeah, the, the ham and the, the chicken. Chi- the chi- the, the chicken pig. is supportive. <laughs> the pig is committed, <laughs> right? And and, and, I, and I think that that really explains it for a lot of people. And Ed, in in my experience with consulting, because you know, like you said, it always leads to some type of change. You're always trying to do some type of transformation. This is an enormous issue because. Especially, and again, maybe this is just the prism of the world that I've done consulting in, but professional firms tend to be partnerships. And, you know, some partners will sit there and nod their head and say, yeah, they support this, but there's no way they're giving you their commitment. And I have found if you don't have that commitment from all of the partners or a good chunk of them, uh, it's going to fail. Yep. Yeah, especially in the partnership model, and you and I have seen that unfortunately too too many times, right? To to see that. Uh, another little little uh, side note here: one of one of the discoveries that I've made with in sensing uh, about whether or not we really what what whether we truly have support versus commitment is is a phrase that I will often hear from a, a customer who is not committed, right? Who is just supportive? And here's the phrase: Are you ready? Yes. I don't disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How tepid is that? <laughs> right? I don't disagree with you. And, you know, so oftentimes the best response to, to that is, oh, so you agree, agree with me. And the person will quickly backtrack and go, oh, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> right, right. Right. The other one I love is, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, yeah. you know, when we come back, we're up against another break. I can't believe it. This is just great. But when we come back, I want to tell you just when I first saw you put Ford on a whiteboard, what, what struck me about it, and I know you had already thought about this, but it, it just really hit home for me. So we'll talk about that. And then I want to talk to you about some, what are the consulting goals, what are some of the goals that consultants should be on the lookout for. Uh, but folks, in the meantime, um, you can... Email Ed or myself at TSOE at Verisage.com. And please check out our new Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash AskTSOE. And again, we'd like to ask you if you could. We know a lot of you listen on demand on iTunes or other uh, platforms. It'd be really great if you could write a customer review on iTunes. Uh, another uh, couple other people did that, I think, since the last couple weeks. So we really appreciate that. That really helps out the show. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Azamba. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What if you could close more business with less effort and do it faster? What could your people accomplish if they had their own personal assistant keeping track of meetings and reminding them of follow-ups? What would it mean to have a perfect view of what your team and your prospects and your customers are doing? What if you could run your business from anywhere? You can have it all. Visit www.azamba.com forward slash soul today to find out how. That's azamba, A-Z-A-M-B-A dot com forward slash soul. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the foreword changed your life? Me neither. 
Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're, I'm here talking with Ed. I feel, Ed, I feel like you're uh, a guest on the show and I'm interviewing <laughs> you, but this is great. I've always wanted to do this. Uh, we're all consultants now based on uh, both, I would say, the combined work of both Peter Block and you. Uh, but one of the things, when I first saw you put Ford on the board, um, you know, a couple things struck me about it. One, it, what a great pricing mechanism you know we always talk about offering choices Mm -hmm. and to me breaking out a job in terms of its findings and its options and and recommendations is is a natural breaking point for options right your cheapest thing will be i'll just come in and give you my findings your your Mm -hmm. gold card you know your middle option would be the uh, we'll give you our uh the options that you could uh choose from and then the top platinum card would be the recommendations. And wow, has that been a very successful way to structure pricing proposals in consulting type work, isn't it? It is. It's very, it's very effective. It's clear. There's, you know, what, what are called the pricing fences, which we've talked about on the show before the, the delineation between what the, what the choices are. And what I think that is even better about that is the fact that it is completely clear that we're talking about knowledge work because in most cases, someone who's doing a consultant, the bulk of the work, the hours come in the findings piece, right? That's where right. you're that, – that, that's where we're, we're asking a bunch of questions and, and, and repeating back what we found uh, perhaps in, in better language and more structured and sometimes uh, things that make, make more sense to somebody who's reading the report. But you know, as you're doing that as a consultant, once you start to think about this framework, you find out that you're already, you're already coming up with options, right? You're already coming up with what your recommendation would be if you were going to give that level, right? Sure, sure. And there's, no, there's not a lot of extra, quote, time, end quote, that's associated with that. It's pure knowledge, but the value to the customer is significantly higher when they purchase those options and then recommendation. Right, because every time I've used this as a framework for offering choices, everybody goes for the recommendation. Nobody just wants, I mean, what's the point of hiring a consultant if you're only going to get the findings? I I do realize that happens sometimes. There's no doubt you bring somebody in just to poke around and look at something and report on what they found. But most of the time, at, at a high level at least, if they're bringing you in, they're not just interested in, in the in the options you present. They they want to know what you would do. 
Yeah, yes, they do. But I will say this. One of the places where this works, and I think this is, is pertinent to, to our audience out there, uh, and again, under the heading of we're all consultants now, is even if you're not in a consulting organization, you're not in a professional organization, but you are sometimes asked to do something inside your organization that is not you know, um, in alignment with your everyday job description. You know, what's, the, what's the phrase that are used on those stupid things, like, you know, uh, 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 as needed, <laughs> other right. duties as needed? Right, right. <laughs> right? If, if you have a lot of other duties as needed as part of your uh, job description and you hit that a lot, you're, you're being asked sometimes to be an internal consultant inside your organization. Well, one of the best questions that you can ask the asker of, of that, so it's the person who's coming to you and saying, hey, listen, Fred, I want you to do this, right? I want you to go investigate this, is to ask them what level of thinking do they want you to apply, Right? right, because honestly, sometimes inside an organization, the person that you're doing this work for only wants your findings. They don't want you to apply the options and recommendations. In fact, it would be perceived as an affront to them potentially. <laughs> right, stepping on their that job exactly. That you'd right. be stepping on their on, on their job. Now, that's not necessarily the most enlightened leader, right? <laughs> right, but, right. But I think from a political standpoint, you can see where that would be helpful. The same thing is true in reverse, right? If the person who's asking you to do this investigation wanted you to give options and a recommendation, but all you came back to them with was a list of findings, well, then you'd be perceived as pretty kind of stupid, right? right. Like, so what? No, this is, I already knew this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting how all these things synthesize. I mean, here we are talking about consulting and and we turned it into pricing and offering choices but i'm also thinking of uh, our interview with jody thompson and the results only work environment because remember she talked about when you're in a row you have to plan the work much better and you have to be clearer about what the expectations are and this is just a way to really clarify exactly what the expectations are of an engagement Absolutely. Right. What are the outcomes, right? What are the outcomes? And, and it's really managing the work, not the people in this, which was her phrase, which I thought was right. brilliant. I know. I love that phrase. And then before we jump to consulting goals, I know there's another model that we always talk about, and it comes from our colleague, Chris Marston. The, the Chris, we call it Chris's concentric circles because I watched him draw this at a workshop we were delivering to a group of lawyers on a whiteboard or a flip chart, and it was the first time I saw him do it, and it blew my mind. But why don't you walk us through those circles? Because it's just another way of thinking about breaking something down, isn't it? <laughs> sure. Well, do you want me to do it or should you do it? Because then we'll get you involved in this show because I feel like I've just been. No, well, no, you know, listen, I'm interviewing you. So this is great. No, you do it. I, <laughs> I uh, you go ahead. All right. Well, this is this is, again, my interpretation, the Ed Kless interpretation of, of Marsden circles. Um, again, another brilliant thinker, Chris Marsden, the lawyer in, in Boston, uh, does corporate litigation, by the way, folks, with with, with for with a fix for a fixed price. So just yep. just put that out there. We're going to get them as sponsors of the show, Ron. We just gave yeah, them a plug. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell Any, Dan. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, what what Chris and I, I, I love this because this is really the response to trying to 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 scope out a complex problem. Uh, I have seen so many consultants uh, who when put before a, a a customer, a prospective customer with a with a highly complex problem, do what you and I like to call that French thing, right? So they you know they 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 they, they, they get this complex problem and the consultant basically says this <laughs> 
I do not know. <laughs> no. And boy, that's the last thing you want to hear from your yeah. surgeon being wheeled yeah. into the OR, right? Wow, I've never seen that before. Exactly, <laughs> right? So, but but it's true. Like that's that's what they t- they they'll, they'll tend to do. Well, well, yeah. How can we scope that? We've never seen it before. That's what they. That's that, that's at least that's the feedback that we get from them, right? Absolutely. Right. And, and I say, well, again, that's not the best way to instill confidence. But anyway, what Chris does is he says, okay, look, there's something you do know, right? There's stuff you do know you have to do based on the, on any problem that, I mean, because if you have no clue, get out of there, right? If you have absolutely no clue, they've obviously talking to the wrong people. So, you know, there's certain two or three steps that you know, you've got to take. So he draws a circle and says, he calls it the yes work, right? So put in there what you know, you've got to do. Yes, we've got to do this. Right, and that's the first the first uh, circle. Then the next uh, central, and this is a set of concentric circles getting larger and larger as you're moving out. The next circle that he draws outside that, he calls the likely circle, and this is maybe fifty percent or or more chance that this is going to happen too. Now this is where you might sketch out a couple of different scenarios, right? So based on on you know the first three things that we've got to do, this might happen and we might have to do two or three things, do two or three things, these other things. So you sketch you sketch that out based on the yes work that you've got to do. Now the way that he usually talks about it in legal terms is, you know, I might have to depose additional people, etc. Right. The third circle that he draws is what he calls the maybe circle. Now, this is in your anticipation, less than 50 percent chance of of having to, to do this as well. Right. So and again, you might, you know, vamp off those other previous scenarios that in the likely circle that you've you've talked about and just take that out to the next level. And there might be scenarios upon scenarios. Right. So you're now sketching this this stuff out. And then, so that's the third circle. And then occasionally he does the fourth circle. The fourth circle is, I love this one. This is the WHK, right? This is the who the hell knows. This is the French thing, right? This <laughs> right, is, right, right. This is really ultimately that. But notice he's only doing that after he's taken you through the yes work, the likely work, and the maybe work. And I think the most brilliant thing about this, and, and, and you have, have uh, impacted this upon me when you've talked about this, the most brilliant thing about this is not that he's scoping this out, which he is, not that he's giving you choices and options, which he is, but the fact that he is demonstrating his expertise in a non-braggadocious way. Right. I know. I, I just absolutely love that because I tried to view this as he was drawing this and he was, he was talking about a specific litigation that he did this on for the first time. And as I was watching him, I was trying to put myself in the, in the shoes of the customer thinking, how would I feel about Chris watching him draw these circles, explaining these different scenarios? What would I think? I, 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 I did the Allstate hands. I, I'm in good hands. Mm-hmm. I felt really good. I felt this guy knows what he's doing. He's been down this road before. Now, yeah, his crystal ball's not perfect. None of none, you know, none of us have a perfect crystal ball. But he does lay out scenarios, and just like a doctor would in in surgery, right? Well, you could die. We could get in there and not be able to do much, or we could get in there and cure. And he might even assign probabilities to each one of those scenarios. That's what Chris was doing, and I was thinking, wow, that's just absolutely brilliant. And then, of course, his one of his goals with this, Ed, was, I think, uh, to turn the legal services, rather than selling legal services, sell an insurance policy. So right. it's really, how far do you want me to defend you? Do you just want me to do the yes work? Do you want me to take you out to likely, maybe, or, you know, the who the hell knows? 
which again is absolutely brilliant because selling insurance is a lot more profitable than selling hours. Yes, and the, his brilliant line when asked by one of those swanky lawyers who was in the room uh, about how he priced it, I think his response was actuarially. <laughs> right, when, when they asked him about the who the hell knows work, he said, you know, and it goes back to that actuary axiom that we've talked about on prior shows, right? There's no such thing as bad risks. There's only bad premiums. Yep. At the right price, you'll cover anything, right? Yep. Amen. Amen. So as we're up here against our last break, we just want to remind you that the book, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy, is available on Amazon.com, very easily to find it, as well as you can uh, also subscribe to our show notes at verisage.com slash TSOE, and there's a little form that you can fill out there. If you give us your name and email address, we'll send you both the uh, notes from our previous shows and also previews of the upcoming shows. But right now, we've got our last word from our sponsor, my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees, a 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit BelieveInYourNumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have, but have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, we've been talking today about my wheelhouse, consulting behaviors and skills, and I want to just apologize to Ron for the, my diarrhea of the mouth today. It's just been, <laughs> no, no, so my, been basically just throwing up. It's like it, it's been a while since I did this consulting class. It's all kind of like packed in there, you know? Yeah, no, I know there's a ton of material, and I know we're probably not doing it justice, but I, I, there's a couple things I wanted to ask you about, and one, let's just do this one, is the consulting goals. What should be the goals of the consultant? And I'm going to do this quickly because I know that you've got some questions for me. So I'm, I'm going to give a little short shrift on this just to make sure that we get through the material here. But um, I'll go talk about the four consulting goals. First, setting up again that a goal of an engagement is something to which we aspire uh, yes. might not occur. So this is not, not necessarily something that is absolutely going to happen, but this is what we strive for. It's like scoring, the goal, uh, scoring a goal in a soccer match or in a, in a, in a hockey game. 
Uh, teams don't always score goals, although they're you know tr- that's what they're they're attempting to do. So same thing in consulting. These are the things that we aspire to, as opposed to an objective. Correct, as opposed to an objective, which is something that is very specific. The idea is, by the way, that if we attain, if we if we do achieve the objectives, that we will then be able to achieve the goals based on that. That's at least right. the theory, and it is a theory, right? It's not right. a it's not a, not yep. practice. So um, the four consulting goals in order is first to establish a collaborative relationship. In other words, we want to work both uh, co labor, right? Work with the customer on it. And there's two reasons for this. The one is that this is proven to be the most effective way to implement something. But more importantly, and this is the thing that I love about consulting, is that in a truly collaborative environment, you as a consultant get to be a model for behavior, right? You get, a, get, get, to, you, you get to be the, the ought, right in it to the the customers is and right. that you can you can you can model for them how things should be in an organization and how problems should be solved in the future and look you can't even put that on a timesheet anywhere yet if it's done correctly and done well it is the the, the thing that sticks with your customer the longest uh, yet you will not be paid for it ever right. right what a great point as opposed to say just being like a pair of hands correct Correct. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Love that. That's that's a phenomenal point. Yep. The second goal is to solve problems so that they stay solved for as long as possible. And here here's where you know it's it, there's there are no solutions. There are only trade offs. And one of the trade offs always is is how long is this problem going to stay fixed for? And people think, well, it's forever. No, it's not. <laughs> um, because uh, one of the laws of systems thinking, which we should do another show on someday, Ron. That's another topic. Is is the the this idea that today's problems came from yesterday's solutions. Yep. Which is always true, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> right. So our our goal is to solve problems that they say style for as long say so- solved for as long as possible, and then the third consulting goal is to ensure that attention is given both to the technical problem and the relationship. And, and man, this is just another show too, right? This is this is the difference between a technician and a consultant. And also someone the difference between who somebody focuses on just change versus someone who focuses on change and transition. Right? The change is the physical technical nature and is often easily or I should say easily more easily solvable. Right. Right. Whereas it's the the long term uh, emotional well behavior of the people who are involved that uh, is is more difficult to to lead through transition. Right. So again, uh, change is the physical, transition is the emotional, and a great consultant makes sure that we give attention to both of those things in in, in proper order. I'm not going to say in balance because sometimes they're not balanced at all. Sometimes you're spending way more time on one versus the other, and that's okay as long as it's appropriate to the nature. Of, of the engagement. And then the fourth and last of the consulting goals is to develop customer commitment. Now, this might seem that we're, we're stating something that, that uh, we stated earlier requires customer commitment, but then which is true, right? That we, we require that customer commitment, but we want to develop that customer commitment. We always want to further develop it because it, it, it really can subside during the engagement, no matter what you do, unless it's something that you're paying attention to. And I'm going to quote here from Peter Block, um, and this I believe is of the, the second edition of Flawless Consulting. And, and I just this is a great phrase because I think it shows what a great author, great writer Peter Block is. We may cling to the fantasy that if our thinking is clear and logical, 
our wording eloquent, and our convictions solid. The strength of our arguments will carry the day. Clear arguments do help, but they're not enough. The customer will experience doubts and dilemmas that block commitment. Yeah, that is excellent. And it's so true. It kind of goes back to the Edwin Friedman line, the colossal misunderstanding (laughs) (laughs) of our time is the assumption that insight will work with people who are unmotivated to change. Yeah. Then, and this is, this is even going beyond that because uh, with Friedman, Friedman's talking about people who are already actively engaged in, in sabotage or, or uh, in resistance. But what block is talking about here is the folks who, who, who may even be committed Right, right, who have already expressed commitment, yeah. Have already yeah. expressed commitment is that, you know, that, that, uh, that our convictions sometimes do wane because, look, this is hard stuff, right? This is hard stuff. This is, we're, we're, as you said, we're people and we're messy. Right. Uh, it, that's what I love about Block is he, he focuses on the relationship as well and the psychological and, and the spiritual, the non-quantitative and, and all of that, the emotions and the feelings. One thing, Ed, that I really wanted to ask you about for, uh, from his book uh, is this concept of positive deviance where he says we just don't look at the problems. I mean, that's obviously pro- part of it, diagnosing the problem and all that. Mm-hmm. He said, but if, if that's all you do, you're just limiting yourself to being problem-focused. He says, we also look at what's working. And then he's got that great question, are we here to solve a problem or create a new future for mm-hmm. ourselves? Yeah. What do you think about this concept of positive deviance? No, I, I love that. In fact, the, you know, it's, it's expressed differently by di- by different people. We, you know, we've talked a lot about on other shows about Mahan Khalsa. You know, and I and I think this is true in the whole concept of of what is termed value selling. Um, the, the, this idea that there's oftentimes we're focused on the cost benefit analysis stuff, right? So the 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 the, the costs, of course, being. The, the, you know, what is this actually costing us and what are the problems and what Mahan calls the evidence of the problem, right? Right. But Mahan then flips the question the other way too and says, okay, but what is the impact, right? What is the impact? What is, what is the possible upside? And that's, that's what I love about Block. Block also is a, is a big believer in one of my favorite words, which is possibilities. So he says early on in engagement, what we want to, to try to uncover is not only the evidence that, there's a, that a problem exists, but what are the possibilities for a future that is better than the past? Right. Yes. And, and I, you know, and, and I, th- I think that, that because that's the thing that helps people with transformations, right? A future that's better than the past, you know, and this and this gets really into the root psychological aspects of a lot of people who, who don't believe that the future is better than the past. And, and, you know, I think that that that's very depressing, especially to me for people who go and then have children. <laughs> because <'Cause> if, <laughs> we don't be- if we don't believe in a better future or creating a new future, Aren't we just kind of doing the, the, the wrong thing maybe more efficiently or, you know, the suboptimal thing more efficiently? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we're, we're up against the close of the show, and I just want to make sure that I, I get this out. But, my, but one of the, 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 the most important things that I've developed as, as a professional consultant over the years is my statement of intent. Right. And, and here, here is my intent. My, and this, this relates to everything that we've talked about today. It is my intention to help you and your organization make the best possible decision. And every word's important, right? Yes. I'm, I'm, here to, I'm here to help you 
and your organization. So I'm, I'm, there's a balance there. There's a fiduciary responsibility to, to the, the, the company, but then I've also, you as a person, make the best possible decision. And that's, I'm here to help you as, and assist in that decision. And ultimately, that's what I, I believe consulting is. Awesome. Well, when we folks, when we post the show notes, we'll put up Block's book and uh, maybe Ed will put up uh, some stuff as well. We'll also get the post at Chris's uh, Concentric Circles. And Ed, I think you did a post on the Ford model as well that I really like. Uh, So we'll get that up there too. But uh, tell me what's on board for next week. Well, next week, Ron, we have got a free writer Friday. So, <laughs> right pretty exciting. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think net neutrality might pop up again. Again, <laughs> they've come up on all the shows previous. Let's we'll see when that that ends. But yes, it's a free writer Friday next week. Well, awesome, Ed. I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage. Supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, feel free to visit us at www.verisage.com slash TSOE. 